babe. What are we talking about? Or is it going to be a surprise again? <laughs> Why do you say yes to recording podcasts with me when you have no idea what the subject is? Because I, because I'm going to do it regardless. But sometimes I like to know what to prepare for. But what has you willing to do it regardless? Because I like it. And I, it's fun. Is there a level of trust? Well, yeah, obviously. Like I, wouldn't, I wouldn't be here at all. I didn't trust you. Why is it that you... So this is something that we're doing for the world to listen to. And you have no idea what the topic is. So why do you feel like you have that trust with me? Well, because you're my wife. I've known you for many years. Right, but there's plenty eight of... Year, eight and a half years. There's plenty of listeners who partners wouldn't feel that way, who've been together and know each other longer. So it's it's something else. What has you trusting me to come on here and... Well, I feel those people are the ones that need your help. <laughs> if they don't trust their partners, <laughs> what the fuck is going on? <laughs> Um, okay, I'm going to lead the witness a little bit, maybe. Okay. So I'm wondering if part of why you trust me is because you know that the that I will take, I will deliver whatever it is with self-responsibility, and I'm not going to project anything onto you, and I'm going to be open and vulnerable and create a safe place for us to communicate about whatever is happening. Would you say that's true? Yes, I would, I would agree. <laughs> Okay. Not that I had an expectation for your answer, but I do think that knowing you, I think that's a huge part of our relationship is that if I was withholding, which a lot of you do this, withholding information, withholding love, withholding resentment, anger, I don't know that you would come on here blindly. So you'd be like, well. Right. Yeah. I know that you're not going to sabotage me. <laughs> I know that you're not doing it for ulterior motives. So, yeah, there's trust there. But again, if you don't have that, then that's the people who need you. Yeah, well, helping, helping them build trust. Yeah. Uh, okay, so before we get to the topic of today's podcast, uh, the last time that we sat here recording a podcast, we were doing a relationship check-in around our sex life and we got to a really great place of understanding the way that you were initiating sex uh, was repelling to me and then the way that I initiate sex also creates, I wouldn't say it repels you, but for you it was more like the way I initiate sex created like pressure um, and expectations on you. And so we had a really beautiful conversation where we created a um, new new languaging for how to initiate. And at the end of the podcast, I said, you know, we'll give you an update on yeah. what happened. And so I want to give that. I want to give an update. So, oh, okay. yeah. So the shit works because we, we had sex that night, that day, yeah. mm -hmm. right after, not right after the podcast, but mm -hmm. that night, that. Yeah. I yeah. Had, before, I had the shower. Before we went to bed that day, <laughs> yeah. we had sex. Um, and then we, it has been a couple weeks now, but I do recall that we had sex, uh, more times that week than we have 
probably like in the last couple of months, right? Correct. Yeah. And our intimacy and the way that we are approaching intimacy has definitely shifted and because of this, because of that conversation. And one thing that I, I really realized is because you initiated sex, and I think this is a huge part of the topic for today, initiating. Huge. Initi- huge initiation. Taking initiative. What I, not initiation, taking initiative. So something that I realized, because you initiated sex Sunday, and today is Tuesday. And one of the things that you said to me was when I approach you for sex, like I, I need you to be like enthusiastic. I need you to be, yes. I need you to like, give me some sort of like verbal confirmation that you're in this with me. You want this. And I was thinking about it and I was like, the same goes for me when I initiate sex with you. It's like, I want you to, I want you to match my desire for you. I want you to match my arousal. And so I just had this thought yesterday or two days ago after the sex we had on Sunday where I was like, Oh my God, we're literally the same. We want this. And I think this is really helpful for a lot of couples because I think when you actually get through the idea that talking about sex is awkward, or I think a lot of couples think like, oh, well, we're just so different. I think we had that. I had that for many years. Oh, I'm speaking German. You're speaking, uh, I was going to say Swiss, Spanish. Um, I'm German and Swiss. <laughs> you know, it's like we're speaking two different languages. Yeah. Well, I, like I, There were times where I thought, oh, my God, our, we're just so different. You know, this is never going to work. But actually... When you, when you remove all of those layers underneath, we really, we want the same thing and our insecurities were the same as well. Mm -hmm. It's like when you approach me, you want me to respond with excitement and like, yes, energy. And when I approach you, I want the same thing. Yeah. Right. And so I was literally, I was thinking about this and I thought, okay, it was kind of hard for me on Sunday it was Sunday morning. I, we were kind of, we were on a time crunch. I, you know, hadn't even, I'm kind of someone who needs to be up for a little bit. I want to brush my teeth. I want to, I want to go to the bathroom. I want to take my mouth guard out. And you tend to, you know, want sex right away in the morning, which by the way, if you want some science, there's actually science to this. Most Mm -hmm. men, because your testosterone rises with the sun, you have the most amount of testosterone in your body right away in the morning, which mm-hmm. is why most men like morning sex. It's hormonal. And I made a commitment to be a yes and to be open to sex with you, even though I could feel where I wasn't the enthusiastic. And I thought to myself, man, this is exactly what my complaint is with you. My complaint. And the, this one side of complaint is desire on the other side of complaint is desire Mm -hmm. right so my complaint is you don't match my when i try to have sex with you you don't match my desire with yeah and then but the desire is for you to match it and then but that's your desire as well so it's like we're the same yeah (laughs) we want the same things yeah 
Mm, two sides of the coin. Right. And I can see where resentment could easily get created. Cause I'm like, Oh, and I'm like crossing my arms right now. I'm like, Oh, well he wasn't, he wasn't super excited and enthusiastic when I tried the other night. So why should I do it for him? And I can see where I run those games with you. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if you have ever done that. Where I'm doing games. Well, (laughs) running games, meaning, you know, like, Oh, well I initiated the other night and he was no to me. So I'm going to be a no to him. Or she wasn't really that enthusiastic with me. So I'm not going to be that enthusiastic with her. Did you ever have, um, no, not, I mean, I, not that I can remember. Well, you're so much of, more spiritual than me. So much more, <laughs> you're so much more evolved than I am. I'm still petty. Sure. But I'm yeah. bringing it up because I'm sure listening to this, listeners, you can see this in your relationship for yourself mm-hmm. where you, it's like tit for tat, right? Yeah. Is that how you say it? Yeah. Tit, yeah. tit, tit, tit for tat. Yes, yeah. correct. Titties. Right. So well, that, that's why I want to bring it up. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's like the thing that we were watching. You were watching an episode of that show. We were watching we Friends. Were watching, you. <laughs> You're you not going to admit you watch Friends. Friends. No, because I'm not watching it. I'm not binging it. It's on <laughs> while you're watching it, and I have no choice but to like be there. Anyway, you were telling me. No, because you had your earbuds in. <laughs> so oh. I couldn't even hear. Okay. But you would, you were telling me you're like, oh, this is a funny episode where like they weren't getting ready for his event. Or something. Oh, oh god. <laughs> okay. okay. Anyway, anyway, it doesn't matter. Wrong. It doesn't matter. The point was that. Oh right. I saw Rachel doing something, and it was very petty and whatever it was, whatever you want to call it, descriptively. Why don't I just share what it was? So, because I'm sure we have a lot of friends lovers and they're like I'm, I want to know exactly which episode oh, oh, <laughs> I don't know the name of the episode but it was when Rachel and Ross were dating and Ross was getting an award for his dinosaur stuff and he came over to Monica's apartment and he wanted he was kind of rushing oh it was the one where Joey puts on all of Chandler's clothes it's that episode I think that's literally the name of it the one where Chandler wears or Joey wears all of his clothes um uh Rachel was not um, getting ready in a timely manner and she was being very I would say kind of I don't, I don't want to say she was being passive but she was being very lackadaisy about it and he you could tell he was getting stressed and wanting to make sure he got there on time and so he ended up uh, yell, yelling at her and being like I don't care what you wear just go in there and get dressed we need to leave in five minutes and in return she was like I'm not going mm-hmm. so that's this that's the scene and what do you want to say yeah, and I pointed at her and I said, that's you. The point of why you're bringing that up inside of this podcast right now yeah. is that um, what we saw was Ross, and, and this is a term that we use in the coaching world, which is um, a man pulling out his sword, which means that a man is like standing up for himself or he is, uh, how, how, do you, how would you He's explain being that? assertive. He's being assertive. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, he's being assertive and he's telling her what is. And after asking for it several times, several times, yeah, nicely, nicely, yeah. And her response to that was to shut him down and, you know, say I'm not going and mm-hmm. be like passive aggressive until he apologizes. And I think we do that a lot. Women do that. We want our men to be 
men. You mm -hmm. know, there's a lot of talk in the field around women wanting their men to be leaders, to step up and take initiative and be leaders. But then when they do, we emasculate, we laugh, we get butthurt, we don't, we, we get disrespectful, I think is a, an easier way to say it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that's our update from the last, <laughs> the last episode. Uh, that we that we did cool. together, mm -hmm. um, and so I think it 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 leads us really nicely into the topic tonight, which is uh, I want to tell the Bhakti Fest story. So we are through this one, mm -hmm. yeah. So we're not we're gonna I'm, we're gonna tell the story about what happened. It did take us quite a while to get through this one. We are on the other side, mm -hmm. uh, but and and it I. Um, there are parts of it where I don't look good. There's parts of it where you don't look good. Um, but there's a huge lesson at the end that I really want uh, people to to hear. Because if I'm doing this, I'm sure you're doing you, the listener, is doing this as well. Mm -hmm. Okay. So there's this festival in Joshua Tree um, called Bhakti Fest, and it's a three day festival that's uh, camping, car camping, basically, where you drive your car up and you set up your camp next to it. Mm -hmm. And it's something that I was going to previous to COVID and I had gone, I think two or three times. And I even went one year by myself. I had asked you every year, if you want to go, you weren't that into it. That's fine. And then COVID happened. And then this year was the first year that they had it again. And I was really excited. I asked you if you wanted to go. You said, yes, we have a friend who came with us. And she plays an important role in this story. Um, I think I can call her by name. I think she'd be okay with that. Her name is Jamira. She's amazing. And so she was with us. And I'm going to tell the I'm going to tell the story from my perspective. And then, uh, do you want to maybe I tell mine, then you tell yours, or do you want to jump in with your perspective at the moment? I can probably jump in I think, at the moment. That's probably bad. Yeah, um, I think that's cool. And it'll just it'll just go to show how different we think and we, we view things, right? Mm -hmm. So this is my perspective of it. I did everything. Leading up to Bhakti Fest, the preparation, everything that went into it, I did it all made the grocery list, I went grocery shopping, I organized the food, I pulled up all the camping gear. There was uh, a night, the night before we left, I held a, a ceremony here at the house. That So here I am holding space for all these women for three hours. And then I continued to pack for three hours and you went out. You went out somewhere with friends. I don't remember what you were doing. And as I was packing for myself, you know, okay, I need a handkerchief. I grab a handkerchief for you. I need a towel. I grabbed a towel for you. In my perception, I did everything except for pack your clothes. The one thing that I asked you to do was to put gas in the car and to remove the items out of the trunk of my car. The next morning, I woke up at 7 a.m. because we have a dog, and I think I needed to bathe him or something. So I took care I took care of the dog. I also took care of the dog care, like who's going to stay with our dog for the weekend. I got up early to, I think, pack the car. This was, a, this was back in September, so I'm a little foggy in detail. Uh, but I just remember getting up early, you sleeping in. I was getting more and more irritated 
but I don't know that I necessarily had the words for it or really understand why I was feeling annoyed or frustrated. And then I asked you, did you fill up the gas? And you're like, oh, fuck, I forgot. And then I, I'm pretty sure I exploded in that mm-hmm. moment of just like, literally, that's the one thing I asked you to do. Mm-hmm. Anything you want to add? Yes. I mean, <laughs> not yet. Yes, I want to add something, but yes, you are also correct, and that's what you did. The one thing that I do want to just say from my point of view, this is something that you had done before, and I trusted that you would. I guess what I guess this goes to like other. It, it touches on other parts of like our relationship and things in the past and other things that happened is like, I want, like I trusted you to ask me if you needed more help Mm -hmm. than what was, than what, what you had told me you had gone before. So you knew what everything was, what you needed, what you liked, what you wanted. And, and I knew, you know, the one thing, the couple of things were like, well, we need to blow up the air mattress. And I was like, okay, I got that covered. I have a thing that we can do that in the car. And then, yes, I forgot to put gas in the car, but then also it wasn't like a terrible thing because, <laughs> and this is like, a, this is no excuse for me not putting gas in the car. Just so I'm clear about that. Mm-hmm. I'm not explaining it away. I'm not trying to make an excuse, but we did, we were going to stop on the way there. Yeah. There wasn't a way, if you had a full tank of gas, we very well could have left and never stopped and gotten to the campsite. Right. But that, we know that that's not going to happen. Right. Yeah. So, and you don't want to go to the campsite without gas because you want, yeah, you don't want to run out of gas in the middle of the desert. Right. And we had to turn on the car a few times. Yeah. So I'll also preface this with like, this was a huge turning point. Bhakti Fest was a huge turning point on me getting on my journey to becoming a surrendered wife. So I can look back and tell you all the things that I did, quote unquote, wrong, <laughs> um, which I will. Yeah. And we'll start with this first thing where you said, well, you, you, you've been before. I thought that you knew what to do. And if you wanted help, you would. So I did not ask for help. And you didn't ask if I needed help either. True. That is true. Great. Yeah. So we're both guilty there. Yeah. I did not ask for help and you didn't say, hey, do you need help or should you we sit did... down and talk about this? Yeah. I mean, I, as far as like, except for the, for the question of like, we need to blow up an air mattress. And I was like, okay, I have, I believe I have the answer to that. Yeah. And so. again, where I'm not, yeah. And I remember following up with you on that thing like three times if probably not probably even more do you have the thing like can you double check it can you make sure it works like so I was still in charge even though even though I handed it over to you I still kept myself in charge because Mm -hmm. I didn't trust that you were going to do it and I asked you to do the the one thing which is gas and you didn't do it so you are at this point in the story back in September you are very much fitting into my story of I can't trust you to do the things you're going to say you're going to do, which is something that's come up in our relationship in the past, Mm -hmm. right? So I did not ask for help. 
Jose did not offer to help. So what happened? I end up doing it all and get what I know now was burnt out from it. I'm also in perimenopause and so I have lower energy and the heat really impacts me and we're going into the middle of the desert. And so what happened is we get there. I mentioned a couple times on the way there that we should get ice. Now, was I powerfully saying we need ice? No, I probably, because I think if I would have shared it powerfully, we, it probably would have happened. Yeah. I think I kept saying like, I think we should get ice. Like this non, you know, this way of saying things that, are non-direct yeah indirect I get it. if you will right and i and i and i realize that and i should have been like oh we should get ice while mm -hmm. we're here at this gas station or we pass a variety of supermarkets we should get gas yeah i mean um ice ice, ice. yeah so we get there and we get there at the worst time of day it's mm -hmm. noon Again, middle of the desert. I think we're in the 90s. No shade. Mm -hmm. It is so hot and it's also really crowded because it's the first year in like three or four years. And we have to set up not only our tent, but we have to set up Janira's or support Janira in setting up hers as well. Mm -hmm. And we got there in a way, in a timely manner to be able to do a workshop at three. Yeah, I think we got there like around noon. And so... We're setting up in the hottest, most not ideal time mm -hmm. of the day. And I mentioned the perimenopause thing. I was having pretty intense uh, hot flashes back then. So hot flashes, running hot because of perimenopause and then being in the heat really was not working for me. I had to turn on the car and sit in the car in the air conditioning. I felt lightheaded. I felt dizzy. Um, and then we finally go to our workshop and... There was a moment where I remember saying to you, like, I'm going to pass out. Like, I'm not feeling well. Like, I'm just like, I'm not feeling well. Mm -hmm. And I had brought, I had purchased on Amazon one of those battery operated fans that you mm -hmm. can squirt water. And of course we get there and it, it's not working. Mm -hmm. uh, so, so I, I'm saying all this because there were a lot of factors that, that went into this, but um, needless to say, I was not happy for mm -hmm. many reasons. And it wasn't until after the workshop, we go back to our camp and I say, we need, again, we need ice, like not direct, not like, can Jose, can you please go get ice? I, I think I just said, you, you guys, like we need ice. And mm -hmm. our neighbor next door was like, oh, there's a gift shop or whatever they call it, general store. Yeah. And they sell ice for $5 a bag. And you got into the tent and took a nap. And so I turned to Janira. Okay. <laughs> Just so we're clear, we weren't all standing in a circle and she says, they sell tent, they sell ice over there for $5. And I turned around and left. I, that's not what happened. We were all at camp. I was, I was in the tent already. Right. Doing what, relaxing, taking, you know, yeah. like just doing relaxing. whatever. Right. When I wanted you to go get me ice. But you didn't t you didn't tell me to go get ice. No. Just so we're clear. I did not directly. You did not directly no. tell me to go add, get ice. No. And you had a conversation away from me that I did not hear yeah. about it. Yeah. But so but this is just collect collecting more evidence 
on just how you, you're not responsible and you're not taking care of me at the time. In your view. Yes. Okay. This is me. This is my evidence that I'm collecting. Yeah. I'm like, I'm sitting here miserable. It's hot as balls. Mm -hmm. I need, I need cold drinks. And my perception is you're like, oh, okay, have fun with that. I'm going to go take a nap in the tent. This is my perception. Right. So I look at Janira and I said, Janira, will you go get ice with me? And she said, yes. We walk to go get ice. On the way, I smell something very delicious. And I said, oh my God, that smells so good. And I hear this voice. It's dark. We're in the middle of the desert. It's dark. Can't really see much. I hear this voice that says, do you want some? I said, yes, I do. I turned left and I walked into this man's camp and he handed me a bowl of pasta, pesto pasta. Mm. It was with tomatoes. And I'm just sitting there eating and eating. And I really did not realize until that moment how much I was undernourished. And undernourished in food, but also metaphor for our relationship. Mm -hmm. How much I was not feeling nourished or taken care of in this relationship with you. Mm -hmm. It took this strange man to hand me food. Like, probably that would like it's it's the thing i didn't know i needed was mm -hmm. you if i if i could create the most perfect scenario it would be we're going to bhakti fest you're like great i'm going to create i'm going to be in charge of the meals i'm going to bring a burner i'm going to bring pasta i'm going to make us dinners mm -hmm. oh swoon right right it's the thing i didn't know mm -hmm. and sometimes ladies like you can you can relate to this like we don't always want to have to ask for everything right we want our partner to take initiate to uh, take initiative right and so this guy that i don't i don't even know he's sitting there with his partner and i'm just in awe of his whole setup and he's and and she's just sitting there the his partner is sitting there fully just receiving and she's like, oh, yeah, he planned all this. He made he made blah, blah, blah for breakfast. I don't know, pancakes? I don't know. And I'm just sitting there just like, what the fuck? Mm -hmm. Why don't I have that? Why am I walking to go get ice? I feel like shit. Mm -hmm. I feel like I'm going to pass out. And my husband's back in the tent, sleeping, resting, and I'm walking to get myself ice. There is something wrong with this scenario. Mm -hmm. And so I turn to Janira and I just start crying. She's like, what's going on? And I was just like, I just started sharing with her. I said, I'm so, I feel so burnt out. This whole week, all of last night, all of this morning, I have done everything for us for this trip. And he's done nothing. And the one thing I asked him to do, get the gas. And you're right. We could have easily gotten the gas, but it's not about that. Right. It was the evidence of, I can't trust him to do what he says he's going to do, nor can I trust him to just take initiative and be like, hey, we're going camping, regardless if I've been there before or not. Mm -hmm. Each person being like, hey, we're going camping. Here's some things I'm thinking. Here's some things that I want to contribute. Like, let's make this a co- Like, I was like, why am I in charge? Why am I always in charge? Mm -hmm. Stay tuned for the reason why. 
right? So this is what was going on in my head. Right. We go get ice, and Janira was so beautifully held me. And what's beautiful about sisterhood is she never made you wrong. She was never like, yeah, that asshole, why doesn't he do No. She held me, and she said, did you ask him to help you? And I said, no. And she said, why? I was like, that's a great question. It's a really great question. I'm not really sure why. And what the conversation boiled down to was my sadness around your lack of initiative. And this has come up many times in our relationship where I don't feel, and in in our sex life, which we had such a beautiful conversation about on the last episode, Mm -hmm. right? But not taking initiative. And it made me so sad. Mm -hmm. And it made me really question our relationship and question, it made me question my involvement in this relationship how I'm showing up in this relationship. And it had me questioning you and feeling like, okay, well, we've been together for eight and a half years, apparently. And he isn't taking initiative yet. He must not be able to. This must not be his thing. You must just want to take the back seat to everything. You know, like, this is like, you know, like, oh, it's not happening because you don't want it to be happening and it's never going to happen. I think that, you know, we, we kind of go to like the, the, the most intense, darkest, deepest, you know, I'll never have this scarcity. Right. I didn't say anything to that night. Instead. Um, I remember we Bhakti fest every night. Well, all day, every day is live music, but that night there was this beautiful artist and very, very soul touching heart, heart touching artist. And I spent a lot of the concert crying and just grieving, grieving the situation that we're in. Like, oh, I can't believe we're here. I can't believe this is happening. And also grieving the part of me that didn't, you know, didn't ask. And the part of you that did that didn't offer. And something that I really do with my clients, whenever whenever we're in a, a spot like this with our partner, you know, it's like it's never created in the moment. Like this feeling of disappointment, this feeling of sadness, this uh, I don't ask for what I want, you're not offering, you're not taking initiative, Mm -hmm. it's rarely about the actual situation in the moment. We often need to look back. And one of the things that I find really helpful in these situations is to go back to the moment of where I abandoned myself. I abandoned my needs. I abandoned taking care of myself. And that night, I took it back all the way to our first date. Mm -hmm. On our first date, this is a little bit of a little bit of context. Do you want me to sum up the just this part real fast? Because otherwise, you're (laughs) yes. So our first date, 
the important part is like I had invited CJ to a a party bus, uh, a lot of drinks, you know, and in my immature, uninformed way, when she arrived there with me, we went together. We arrived at Your the party friend. bus. My friend, my idea. Um, our first date. <laughs> our first date. Our first date, technically. Longer story to be told. Anyway, uh, they were collecting the money for the party bus. I paid and then... For yourself. For myself. <laughs> and then told TJ, hey, it's this is how much a party bus is. $50. $50. Didn't offer to pay. Didn't realize that I should have. Now looking back at it, now as a full-blown adult. <laughs> you weren't then. Ah, you know. It was pre-work. You weren't pre-work. in you <laughs> it was pre-work. pre-work. It was like you're not in your 20s. <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm not. Then, I mean. Then. And it was just, it was an error. It was like an error and a mistake and just like a dumb, yeah. stupid thing. Right. That I didn't realize until, you know, I brought later. It up. And then she brought it up and I'm like, Oh, that was dumb. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for owning that. Yeah. So, thank you for owning your part. Now I'm going to own my part. Mm-hmm. I don't know how else to call it, but a spot. Like, when we're in a moment, tough spot in our relationship where we're navigating things and there's there might be tension or disconnection, um, it's my practice. Like, we have to go all the way through it. We got to go through all of the different layers. I had to go through the sadness. I had to go through the anger, the resentment, the frustration. I had to go through all of it. And I did during this entire concert. And what it brought me to, it took me all the way back to that first date where I abandoned myself. Mm -hmm. It did not in that moment feel good to give you that $50. I had a moment of freeze, like, uh, 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 oh, okay. But eight and a half years ago, pre-work, I did not feel, and I did not have the voice. I didn't know that I could ask for what I wanted. I didn't know that I could pause and slow down and be like, wait, hold on. Something's coming up. Something's not feeling right. No. I gave you the $50 I paid and the, the honest to God truth of that is that I didn't feel worthy of you paying for me, anyone paying for me. I had so much wounding with men and unworthiness and undeservingness that I didn't feel that I was worth it, that I was worth you thinking of that or paying for that. And I can look back and see where I abandoned myself in that situation. And I also saw where I've been abandoning myself ever since. I still was playing out the I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy of somebody who would take initiative on a vacation. I'm not someone worthy. I'm not worthy of somebody 
who would do these things for me, that would go get the ice for me. And so I've been playing out this unworthiness story for eight and a half years with you. And I, it's caused a lot of the dissatisfaction that I have had with you. And then when you say, well, you should, you know, just ask for what you want, it bumps up against my unworthiness because I think if I'm truly worthy of it, I, should, I wouldn't have to ask for it. You would just offer. Mm -hmm. I think that's like kind of the story that was getting played, the narrative. Yeah. And when I say story, I just mean um, the, the, like the narrative that's kind of playing in my head of like, well, I don't want to have to ask. Because if I ask, then it's it's true that I'm not worthy of it. Because if he actually really wanted to do it, and if I was really worthy of it, he mm -hmm. would just do it yeah. without me having to ask for it. So it just goes to show, like, neither of us were doing anything wrong. You were waiting. You were like, hey, if she wants help, she'll ask. And I'm like, well, if I was worthy of help, he would offer. Mm -hmm. Right? Yeah. So that was really valuable to see that and to see where I've been. I'm going to slow down for a second. Yeah, where I've just been playing out this dynamic and continuing to feed this narrative of being unworthy of you and your love, mm -hmm. which has also kept, I think, your love at somewhat of an arm's, arm's distance. Can't let too much of it in. Mm -hmm. So I share this with you the next morning at Bhakti Fest. And I shared it from a place of, I would say, self-responsibility, where it wasn't pointing my finger at you, but pointing the finger at me and saying, I really see where I had needs that were unfulfilled and I didn't ask for it. And I think I shared the whole... I shared with you how I had been abandoning myself from day one because I didn't feel worthy of it. Yeah, and I and I, you sharing all that opened my eyes to like just basically how I needed to adjust in our relationship of just be of just being more aware of your needs and taking care of not not taking care of you in a way of like you're helpless but taking care of you in the way of you're my partner and I I'm doing this out of love mm -hmm. and 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 care mm -hmm. and if I'm doing something for me then obviously like I should take you into account I mean, and and that that was that was it. That, that's what that's what opened up for me. Yeah. So that was a beautiful conversation of vulnerability and self responsibility, but also cleaning up our side of the street. You know, I had to clean up my side. Mm -hmm. Like, wow, I've been playing this out for eight and a half years, and something that we like to do, humans like to do, is when they have a narrative of unworthiness, unlovable, they don't belong, we go out of our way to collect evidence 
yeah. of this to be true. Mm -hmm. And so I got to collect all this evidence. And then I got to be right because you didn't offer. Mm -hmm. So I got to be right. So the second night of Bhakti Fest, I, I tried something. I noticed where I was closed off to you the first night. I remember this is before we had a conversation. So the so this happened the first night of Bhakti Fest. The conversation was the second the next morning. Mm -hmm. I, I gave I was I let myself sleep on it mm -hmm. before I talked to you about it. I actually wanted to get all the way through it myself. And this is something that one of my male coaches taught me is that that women overprocess with their men. Do you know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. right. So processing with Jose would have been me talking through all of it in the moment of the sadness, the frustration, the anger. And instead, I'm really in a practice of holding myself. Like, I can hold myself. I can hold my sadness. I can hold my grief. I can hold my disappointment. And I was holding myself and processed with my sister, processed with my friend, and allowed myself to move through all of the emotions and not process with you. So that way the next morning, when I did bring it to you, I was on the other side. I wasn't in it still. Mm -hmm. And we also call that charge. So the charge of the, all of it, there, there wasn't the, like the sting of it anymore. Yeah. There was just the like, Oh fuck, this is what, this is what it is. Mm -hmm. I can, I can take a giant step back. And be like, oh, I can see the pieces of the puzzle now and why they weren't fitting. Mm -hmm. And I think it's a, it's, it's a powerful stance to take in a relationship. It, you know, I could have easily that night said all the things, but it would have very much been a finger pointing. Mm -hmm. And that's not, that's not how I want to operate with you. We, right. we used to do, I used to do that with you and I don't want to do that with you anymore. So... I waited and I let myself, I held myself through it. I, I moved through all the layers. I saw what I needed to see. And then I shared, I shared with Jose, but before I shared with him that night, the, the night that I was moving through it, there was something that stood out to me. We, we went from camp to where the music was playing. And you said, I'm going to go to that stand and get food. And I remember thinking, wow, even more evidence because what I would have loved is you saying, what can I get you? Or can I get you anything? Or I'm going to go to that stand. Is there anything I can get you? Mm -hmm. So it was like collecting more evidence of, I don't matter. He's not taking care of me. He's not putting me thinking of me mm -hmm. after I just did all of this for him. Right. I remember that. And the reason I'm bringing this up is because I shut my heart off to you. I was like, yeah, this, this fucking guy, right. That kind mm -hmm. of, that kind of like, fuck yeah. you. I completely shut down, shut my heart off to you. And for the rest of, or for probably the next couple of hours, I would say you were getting a cold, icy version of me. Mm -hmm. I was not open to you. I was not nice to you. But then a couple hours later, when I held myself and processed myself and got through to the other end, I chose to open to you. I chose mm -hmm. to open my heart and I noticed, this is what I want to say. 
I really noticed the shift in you when I opened my heart back up. I remember just sitting there listening to the music and you grabbing my water and going and filling it up without me even asking. Bhakti Fest is kind of one of those things that you you can kind of move around and so I moved around to I, I went to another location to listen to the music by myself. And I remember thinking I'm cold and all of a sudden right there you were with my jacket and you had brought my jacket over. And and there were little mini moments like that where when I actually chose to open my heart to you and allow myself to receive from you, mm -hmm. you were naturally taking care of me. You were naturally, what is that called? Uh, my needs. You are naturally anticipating my needs. And that was really, really cool to see. So I think that's such an important part for me to really acknowledge that the change starts with me. Mm -hmm. Here I am, when I'm closed off, when my heart is closed to you, you're going to respond accordingly. In a way, yes, but also I think it probably, and this, might, this is me just trying to remember something from three months ago, that there was a feeling of that I could feel that. Feel what? What the fuck did I do? Mm. Yeah, you were icy and cold, and like, and I'm like, this isn't the way it usually is. Mm -hmm. I have probably done something. <laughs> so let me start to repair it, fix it, or whatever the version of that is in my brain. And so. I don't know if it was a concurrent thing. I don't know if you were like opening your heart, then I'm like yes, bringing you a coat or filling your water or if I'm just like detecting that you're upset and I'm like, oh man, she's mad. I mean, but I did, but that's what I mean. I was like doing things to be like, oh, let me be nice. You didn't do that though until way out, like hours after. Oh, okay. Well, okay. That's how long it takes me to get things. The, the valuable lesson in this for mm -hmm. me is to notice when I shut myself off from you, when I shut my heart off, when I'm icy, when I am cold, you respond that way. You, would you not, would you agree that you become avoidant? Yeah. Or there's there times when I'm just like, Oh, something's wrong. I'm just going to let that go. Well, because I think a lot of women, you know, a lot of the women that I work with, they're like, I want my man to feel me. I want my man to to be more intuitive and feel me. And I actually think that you are. I think you are you are feeling us and you are intuitive. And so I can imagine, like, I just think like if it was a friend, if I was hanging out with a friend and she was super icy with me and super cold with me, mm -hmm. how would I respond? I would probably be like, what's up with this bitch? And <laughs> yeah. walk away. Yeah. Tongue in cheek bitch, of course. But you know what I'm saying? Like, it makes sense, right? That mm -hmm. when I'm not verbally expressing what's going on, but you can feel that I'm like shut off from you, it makes sense that you're going to be like, okay, well, you, I'm just going to consciously or not be like, I'm going to, I'm just going to hang out over here then. Yeah. I guess she'll come to me when whatever. Yeah. But then when I, when I moved when I 
I moved through it. And then I said to myself, I want to open my heart to this man. I want to let him in. I want to receive. I have not been receiving from this man. I want to receive from him. And I made a conscious effort to open my heart. That's when I noticed you being so in tune with me. You grabbed my water and filled it without me having to ask. Mm -hmm. You saw that I was cold and grabbed my jacket. And this was three months ago. So those are the only two examples I remember. But I do remember in that moment being like, whoa, there is a difference. Because I, I believe that men are responders. Mm -hmm. That our energy leads. That our intention leads. And that you respond to what we're giving you. Mm -hmm. So you're going to respond to us being cold, icy queens, or you're going to respond to us being open, receptive queens, right? Mm -hmm. I feel like you don't want to go into what feels like a shitty situation. You'd rather go into something that feels better, that feels nice. And when someone's open and, yeah, re and, and, yeah, and uh, receptive. Right, because... You know, somebody who's like upset and angry and it's just cold. You're like, I don't. Why am I around this person? Or, or think about that. giving a gift to somebody, and they're like, oh, and they and it's like awkward, or they're like you shouldn't have, or you know, when when someone is really not receptive, it actually doesn't make you want to give them another gift. Well, gift giving should be done because you want to, not because you're expecting something in return but i understand your point i yeah. get your point there's yes. someone in my life that <laughs> it actually feels horrible to give a gift to and that makes me sad because i want to give them no it's not you i'm right here i know I knew, about I knew you me. thought it was you no it's not you but there's somebody that just has a really hard time receiving and feels it just she's just it makes her feel really awkward Mm -hmm. And so she deflects the gift like, oh, you shouldn't have or she she downplays it or I'm giving the gift because I want because it feels good. But then when they're actually not receptive to the to receiving the gift, then it doesn't actually feel good. And then you stop giving. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. It's the same thing. So that's night one of Bhakti. The, set, the next morning, you know, we have our conversation. I share with him. Um, we continued through Bhakti Fest, but after Bhakti Fest, it still didn't feel clean. It, it still felt like there was like mucky stuff in the, in the space between us. Mm -hmm. And I still didn't feel a hundred percent good. I still had the idea that you don't take initiative and that I can't trust you. And I can't, I can't rely on you to do the things you're going to do that you say you're going to do. So that's Bhakti Fest. And now we're going to move on to a part of the story that you've never heard. Okay. <laughs> okay. So just remember the pain point. My husband doesn't take initiative. Fast forward. It's Jose's birthday. It's a big birthday. We throw a big ass party for him. I surprise him with his brother and his brother's girlfriend coming into town. And I very happily took charge of the weekend. I handled everything, the catering, the decorations, everything, happily. You did. Yeah. Wonderful. Yeah. No, like all on my own because I wanted to. 
we rented these high table chairs or high, high we rented these high tables and they delivered on Friday due to pick up on Sunday. So Jose's birthday party was Saturday night. His birthday was Sunday. On Sunday, his favorite team, the 49ers, were, were playing. And that's what he wanted to do for his birthday. He wanted to go to this bar that he often goes to. It's a Niners bar in L.A. He invited a bunch of friends. I think the game was at like 11 a.m. So we had to get up. It was at 1. Okay. Felt like 11 a.m. <laughs> we had to get up and get moving and get to the bar. I had asked Jose and his brother to take down the high tables, put the tablecloth into the bag, and bring them to our front patio for pickup because we weren't going to be home. And then it wasn't done in a timely enough manner on my timeline. <laughs> and so I asked again, and I asked again. I asked a total of three times. You had brought the high tables out, but you had not brought the fabric. And so as you guys were leaving, again, my, my perception of the story, as you guys were leaving, the fabric was sitting there. And I was like, the fabric's got to go too. And you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I just haven't done it yet. You bring it out to the patio. You guys leave. Your, your brother's girlfriend and I, decide, her name is Trudy. She gave me permission to share this story. Trudy and I sit in our living room. And because you guys went to the bar first and we were coming later. Mm -hmm. We sat in the living room and we had to talk about it. And I shared with her what happened at BoxyFest. And she said to me, why did you pack for him? Because I did, right? I packed everything but your clothes. Mm -hmm. The extra towel, the rubber, the handkerchief, all that stuff. Mm -hmm. I was telling her this whole story. And I was really telling her this story from like, I'm the victim here. Mm -hmm. Listen to what he did. And she was like, why did you do that? Why did you pack his stuff for him? And I was like, well, because. I grabbed a towel. I he needed a towel. He's like, no. He's responsible for his own towel. I was like, okay. And I was like, well, we're going camping together. I'm not going to just grab my just sleeping bag for me. And she's like, why? She was just questioning. Mm -hmm. She was like questioning like why I was doing what I was doing. And... I was like, well, because if I don't do it, then it's not going to get done. And she's like, so what? So what? I'm like, what? well, if I don't pack a towel, he's not going to have a towel. She's like, so what? And I was like, well, then he's going to use mine and we're only going to have one towel. And she's like, no, he'll have to figure it out. He's a grown man. Mm -hmm. If he doesn't think ahead, because one part of this story is that I sent a packing list to the group. Mm -hmm. I sent a thorough Excel sheet packing list. So you did have access to what was needed. Mm -hmm. Just put that in the story, right? Mm -hmm. And so she said, well, he's a grown-ass man. If he didn't bother to look at the packing list and he didn't have the things he needed, then that's on him and he'll have to figure it out. And I was like, yeah, but it's going to end up on me and I'm going to have to deal with it. She's like, why are you going to have to deal with it? It stumped me. Mm -hmm. It was like, I'm treating you more like a son than a husband, mm -hmm. which is a lot of what women do. Yeah. We treat our men like children 
-hmm. And then we get pissed because they're acting like children in our eyes. Yeah. Right? I was like, so I just, like, don't do those things for him? And she's like, yeah. Let him deal with the consequences of not being prepared for the trip. Mm -hmm. I was dumbfounded. And then she, she's, she so beautifully said, I just witnessed another example of this. Can I share? And I was like, yeah. She goes with the high tables. I watched you not only ask him once, but ask him three times and continue to remind him like you're reminding a child to put on their shoes. Mm-hmm. And again, I said, well, it needed to get done before they left. And she's like, why? And I said, because the table people are coming to pick up the table. She goes, and? And I was like, well, we won't be here. We'll be at the bar and they'll call me and they'll be like, we're at your house. Where are the tables? And she goes, so? And I was like, well, then I'm going to have to pay for an extra night. And she was like, no, you don't. He will. And I was like, what? She said, if you ask him to do it and he doesn't do it, that's on him. And he'll have to deal with the consequences. I was like, well, it's his birthday. He's going to have to leave the bar. I'll have to leave the bar and go do it. She's like, no, he'll leave the bar. He said he was going to do something. And if he doesn't do it, let him deal with the consequences. I kind of feel like I shouldn't be telling you this. I feel like I'm giving you like the codes. (laughs) But I'm well aware of this. Okay. I have something to say after, but go on. Okay. Okay, cool. This was so eye-opening for me because I can see, and I think a lot of women can relate to this, I'm in recovery for control. For being a control addict and this is where a, one of the ways that i was i'm being controlling because the consequence of it not happening is i look bad if i don't if the tables don't go out then i run the risk of looking bad and not honoring my agreement to this company and i think there's a lot of women out here that can relate to the fear of looking bad. They don't want to look bad with what their children are doing, what their husband is doing, or a partner is doing, right? And so we over control everything, which completely takes away trust. Mm-hmm. Okay, can I wrap up the story or do you wanna share here? Do you wanna share? Is that the, no, um, I'm trying to think. No, go ahead and wrap up and I'll. Okay. So again, my whole issue here is that you don't take initiative, okay? Mm-hmm. So that was huge to have her point that out to me. And I can see where I do that all over our relationship. Mm-hmm. I ask you to take out the garbage, but then I control the way you do it or when you do it. And there was one time a couple of months ago where you asked me if you should, and when it came to the garbage, you said, should I empty the garbage today or tomorrow? It was something like that. And I remember thinking to myself, what the fuck? And there was a lot of moments like this in our relationship where you were asking me before doing everything. It was like you needed my approval to take a step. Mm -hmm. And I remember... I remember calling some of my girlfriends and telling them like, why can't he do anything without running it by me? Why can't he just handle the garbage? 
there'd be times where you'd be like, should I take Ray out now or later? Should I take him out the front or should I take him out the back? Just like these small questions. Mm -hmm. And I was getting really frustrated. And then I had a sister so beautifully reflect back to me. She goes, where did you create that? Where did your relationship did you create that this man feels like he can't do anything without your approval? And I was like, I don't know. I don't think I did. <laughs> <laughs> this is how much we don't want to see our own shit. Yeah. I was like, no, I don't know. But having Trudy point this out to me, I was like, whoa, this is why you check in with me. Again, this is three months ago. Mm-hmm. We're, this is, we're in a different spot now. Yeah. But three months ago, you wouldn't do anything inside this house without asking if you should do it or how you should do it. Mm-hmm. So it was feeding into this. He doesn't take initiative. You're a man child Mm -hmm. because you have to ask me, should you take the dog out the front yard or the backyard as an Mm -hmm. example? Yeah. But something similar to that. Right. Okay. I so appreciate you staying silent during all this. If I were you, I'd want to rebut, but I hope you see that this is, this is more about my lack of. Yeah. (laughs) Like, okay. So having her point this out to me was really like eye-opening it literally broke the glass ceiling Mm -hmm. i saw all the little ways that i was controlling Mm -hmm. to a point where you and you can say this if you feel like this is true but i think we got to a point where you were just like i'm going to fuck this up i have or or i have a 50 50 chance of fucking this up and i don't want to fuck up anymore so i'll just ask her instead of doing it like something along those lines. Yeah, pretty much. Can you put in your words? Um, I wouldn't say like fuck things up, but like I, I, I'll, I'll put it in this point of view as a, as a, as a man. And that is that most of the time, and this is a common story. This isn't, this isn't a generalization because I know this happens a lot. So, I mean, I guess... It is a a generalization or not? I was going to say it's not a generalization, but it technically, that's what it is. That's what I'm generalizing. So, you... Here is the... Here's a story. The first time a a significant other comes to the man's apartment. The woman comes to the man's apartment. The woman comes to the man's apartment. When was the last time you washed these sheets? Why is this bed on the floor? What are these things over here? that are in a pile. What, who, when was the last time you cleaned these dishes? Do you have dishes? When, when, what is going on in this bathroom? Like all of this to, to make a point of like men live the way they live. You know, there's no extra about it. CJ was buying containers to put the, the hand soap and a candle on. And I'm like, just put it on the counter. What do you mean you're buying something to put it on? It's already on something. <laughs> you mean like yesterday? Yes, yesterday. <laughs> and and so this is what I mean. It's like now the evolution of it has now become, mm. oh, I'm fine with what I'm about to do. Mm-hmm. And I can live with it. And I don't really care. But I know that she is going to say something. Mm-hmm. I know that she has a way of whatever it is. Mm -hmm. I know that we have three baskets in our closet for a reason. Mm -hmm. I don't know the reason. 
I mean, I might, I kind of know the reason. <laughs> that closet. Oh, that closet? Or that closet. <laughs> Any closet. Beach. Pick, pick a closet. Beach, winter, dog. Understood. Organization. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, so I, th- I think that the evolution of that now with us, a little bit has become like, let me just ask, because if I don't, it's, it's going to be like, why did you do that? Mm. Or don't do it, you know, do, do it this way. Or why is this here? Or, you know, it's one of those things. So it's kind of just like, listen, she probably has a way of doing this. And I'll mm. avoid a lot of grief if I just ask her. So that's the that's the point of view. So well said. Yeah. <laughs> I'm over here laughing. Yes, great. So our controlling controlling isms start so early on. But mm-hmm. then we sit here and love to complain that you're not taking initiative and that you can't take a step without asking me. Right. My whole life I've heard my mom say this about my dad. You know? He wouldn't survive without her. I'm like, well, who created that? Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Right. So this is a complaint that a lot of women have. Mm-hmm. We want to just be taken care of. We want our men to lead. But we, we sabotage every effort, which takes me yeah. to my last part of the story. Right. Remember, but I do want to, yeah, let please. me just interject just really quickly. This, that, whatever, everything I just laid out doesn't have much to do with like a separate part of being, taking initiative and being in control. But it does like influence it. Mm-hmm. Like the fact of like me having initiative in the bedroom or like or or taking care of you in other ways, like that can those can be two separate things. But but the problem is like because there's so much influence on one side of it, it starts to bleed over mm-hmm. into the other side. Mm-hmm. And it just becomes like all together and, and men are just kinda like you have to have the intellect or or the the forethought to be like wait no this is a separate thing this isn't this is my territory mm. like being initiative be, having initiative being more forward in the bedroom being like courteous being chivalrous being like that's like you know for lack of a better term like that's the man's realm mm-hmm. and it should be a separate area mm-hmm. it doesn't have to be in this other realm of like oh she's going to complain about it or that she's not going to like the way I do it or she's not going to, you know, that, that's the, I think that's the key point in a lot of the stuff and a lot of the complaints, a lot of the ways that these things go sideways is like a man has the man things air quotes. And that's where the women I feel want the man to lead. And that's where the man should lead. But because of the other stuff that happens in life, it starts to get all muddy and messy and confusing Mm -hmm. where the man all of a sudden is like, wait, uh, do I do this? Do I like be forward in the bedroom Mm -hmm. or is she not going to like that? Or Mm -hmm. should I take care of like all the things, you know, whatever, you know what I'm trying, I'm hoping that people are picking up what I'm saying. Where in fact it's like just do your thing, dude. Do the dude things that you should. Like make pretend we're back in like caveman. Not well, not that far back. <laughs> like make pretend we're like in the fifties and you're like holding the door mm-hmm. and the grabbing your jacket and like mm-hmm. you know all that stuff. 
Yeah. Anyway. Leading. Leading, yes. Right. Leading. But what would you say... So I want you to... I want to inspire the brilliant leader in you. Mm-hmm. But what would you say... Can you Can you share some examples or ways that I, from your perspective shut down the leader in you or don't let you lead. I feel like this almost touches on what I was going to say earlier, which is sometimes I feel that I, in this relationship, have that in reverse <laughs> where like I'm, I, I know that you're an adult and I trust that you will take care of yourself. Mm-hmm. when in fact you may not and then I have to fix it I don't, I don't have to fix it but I didn't like taking care of it mm-hmm. I don't have an example of how to do this of how to explain this mm-hmm. but it it's in a it's in that realm of like we're all adults and like she'll take care of herself and if she doesn't that's on her but really, I know that it's on me because I'm the one that should have the forethought, should have the, the yeah, the forethought to, to just be like, oh, I'll take care of it. I'm getting lost. I need an example. I know. I can't. I, it's, it's a very, it's a very, I remember the thing is like when Trudy was explaining to you about, you know, what happens if you don't do that? Well, that's his problem. Mm-hmm. I have that feeling too of mm-hmm. like sometimes I'll tell you or trust you to do something mm-hmm. and you won't do it, but then the consequences do fall on me. Mm-hmm. I don't have an example. That's the problem. I can't, okay, I can't that, think of clear. one, but, yeah, but that's, that's but, and, but then I, I feel like, does that go, does that work in both directions? Yeah. Is that a valid point? Or is there something where like, no, the, it's always my problem. It's always going to be like on me and there are no consequences for you because it's like, I'm going to end up having to take care of it anyway. Is that, I know, I know without an example, it doesn't really make sense. Well, maybe by the next episode, you'll have an example that we can workshop. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure something will come up over the next couple of weeks. Okay. And I'll try to remember well, we'll talk about it in the moment, I would hope. Okay. If you feel like, oh, this is it. This is the moment. Okay. That would help. Oh, that At least that would help me. Okay. To oh, be better. Yeah. Because isn't that why we're here? We yeah. want to be better partners? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I can, I can absolutely imagine what you're saying mm-hmm. and how something you ask me to do and doesn't get done. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm curious the next time it happens and if we can talk about it real time, I'm curious what could unfold from that. And, and I know for me, my practice is to let you lead in Mm -hmm. ways that I have not, Mm -hmm. but then I go off saying that you're not, I'm sitting here not letting you lead, but Mm -hmm. then complaining because you're not leading. Right. That's, that's my part to to take. Yeah. I get it. Yeah. And also, how much how much more fun of a wife I would be if I actually did just ask you once and then let it go. Mm-hmm. I think that's also important to acknowledge is that yeah. I start to create stress and resentment 
for mm-hmm. something that hasn't even happened yet or yeah. hasn't ha- has not happened yet right. because I'm already anticipating you failing. Mm-hmm. I've asked you to do this thing and I'm already anticipating you failing. Right. Right. And since this conversation with her, I have let things go. I do ask once and then I let it go. And it actually has created a, for my side at least, a much more peaceful, oh, good. relaxed, <laughs> surrendered life. Yeah. Yeah. I could say our trip to New York. So all of this happened right before our trip to New York, which mm-hmm. is going to have to be a different podcast episode. Yeah. But that's where I really tested all of it. Mm-hmm. I completely let you lead on that trip. Yeah. You planned the hotel, the restaurants, and I let it all go where I would have tried to control in the past mm-hmm. or, or try to complain about things. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and we had a lot of intimacy that week. I mean, yes, it was vacation, but I also think has a lot to do with you were getting to win with me, which mm-hmm. is what a thing that women often don't do. We don't let our men win with us. Mm-hmm. So the last part of the story, ready? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Going back, my Get number back one. On track. <laughs> my number one complaint. What is it? He doesn't take initiative. You ready for this? It's your birthday. We get a beautiful table at Hotel Irwin in Venice. We watch the sunset. The waiter comes up. He asks us what we want. There's cheese curds on the menu. I'm from Wisconsin. Cheese curds are a big thing. Whenever we see them on the menu, we have to taste them. You asked the waiter for two orders of cheese curds. And I immediately shut you down and said, no, 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 no. Let's just get one, see how we feel, and then order another if we want. And you were like, okay. The waiter walks away. Trudy's sitting to my left. I look at her and I said, shit, I just did it, didn't I? She goes, yep. All I want is for you to take initiative. And then here is a prime example of when you did. And I shut you down. I cut you off at the knees. Mm -hmm. Because I think I know better. Because I think my way is right. Who gives a flying fuck? If two orders of cheese curds would have came and we didn't finish it yeah, or we didn't like it, this is where my control addict comes in. Mm -hmm. And then here I am wondering why you don't do more of those things. Mm -hmm. Why you don't go, why you don't order extra or make more decisions or, or make more choices Mm -hmm. because I don't let you or I haven't let you. Mm -hmm. And I said to her, what do I do? Do I need to clean it up? She goes, no, just learn from it and move on. And I learned from it. I really learned from it. And I think that's the message that I, I really wanted to get across on this podcast episode was that we as women want things in our marriage. And it's really easy to complain about what we don't have and what our partner's not doing and how our partner's not stepping up or showing up. But girls, I'm telling you, look at your side of the street look at because honestly we're the only thing that we can that we actually have control over is ourselves yeah our behaviors our ways of showing up i see this over and over again where women want something in their relationship but yet they're sabotaging it and then they love to complain about their partner Mm -hmm. and i have that is a prime example of how i did that and it made me laugh i mean i was embarrassed at the moment (laughs) I wish I could have t- 
turned back time and not done that because then I thought, well, shit, now he won't do it again. I thought I, I thought I like sabotaged you from like, I want you to do that. Ordering multiple cheese curds. <laughs> yeah. Or the metaphor of it. Yeah. yeah right? no, I, get, I understand. Yeah. I was I really, I was embarrassed and I was sad, but then I just started telling the story to some of my sisters and I was just laughing at myself, which I th- also think is really important that we can laugh at ourselves and mm-hmm. just be like, Oh my God, I'm sitting here two weeks prior complaining that my husband doesn't take initiative. And then when he does, I shut him down. Mm-hmm. We have to look at our side of the street and how we're creating the reality. Mm-hmm. I'm creating my own reality. And I'm not saying you're you're completely 100% innocent in all of it. Damn it. But I'm not the victim. And I think women right. love to make themselves the victim of their relationships and their sex life and their marriage. I'm sorry I stopped you from ordering two cheese curds. I think we ordered two anyway. I don't remember, though. That's fine. We ordered one. Oh. Yeah. But it's also a lot of women also start to see these things. And this is another value value point is I could have easily gone into guilt and apologized to you. And to this day, did, did you have anything on it? Were you like, this bitch just shut down my desire? No, exactly. No, exactly. <laughs> so I also, I also want to make that point really clear as well. No is that just learn from your mistakes, learn, mm-hmm. learn from your experiences and that you don't, when, if you're listening to this right now and you're having these aha moments of how you've done with this, done this to your partner, my invitation is to not go run to them and start apologizing for all of it. No, no, just they're, learn. Not gonna they're not going to, yeah, they <laughs> no, don't have the same. Like, they're going to be like, what the hell are you? <laughs> sure. Okay. Thanks. What the hell are you talking about? Great. <laughs> just, just learn from it and, and do, do better. Yeah. Choose differently next time. Mm-hmm. I was at a I was at a, a weekend seminar with a with a woman who. I was sat next to her during lunch, and I was like, "How's it going?" And she said, "Oh my God, I'm just so seeing all the ways that I've been emasculating my partner, and I have to go home and clean it all up." And I was like, "Well, maybe you don't. Maybe you just learn from this and don't do it anymore. And that can be the, actually the biggest gift to him." That was a really good conversation. <laughs> Anything else? Not at the moment. I'll try to fix up my metaphor or whatever whatever I was trying to say. Because I think I have like an idea. You mean come back to this when you record? No, we don't want to record. We'll just figure it out later. Well, thank you for... Listening? Listening. I know I talk a lot. Being in this conversation with me and... Um, oh, you're and thanking me. I am thanking you. Oh, I thought you were thanking the listeners. <laughs> Thank you, Jose, oh, yeah. for once again your willingness to put our marriage out on the line for other people to witness and see and learn from. I really appreciate that. And I also really acknowledge how much I was going, you know, sharing the story from you did this, this is wrong or bad and good, or wrong or bad. And I really acknowledge for how you held the space for that because you knew that I had to tell that story to get to the other side. And it just also just shows what kind of a man you are, that you're really, really confident in who you are and that you're, you're willing to look bad for a few minutes until we got to the other side where I acknowledged. (laughs) Um, And moving forward, I'm really committed to asking for what I need. Thank you. 
and I'm going to do better. At what? Everything. Awesome. There's always room for improvement. I love that. I love you. I love you.